Well, uh, man. So listen, we have been in this School Wars type of series, but really as we come into the teaching, the content of the conversation that we're having is big questions. What are the things that you're curious about? What are the questions that you're asking? Or maybe what are the questions that you're not asking, but these are the right questions that you should be asking? And this week, uh, I'm going to be addressing a few questions that I get all the time from students. And then once, if we have some time at the end of that, we're going to allow you guys to text in questions as well. And we're answering these as we go along, kind of rapid fire questions. And so the texting stuff will be up on the screen. This is how you text in questions. If you want to text in questions, you text 22333. And then you text that number in front of the question that you want to ask, whatever question you want to ask. Now, if it's stupid, we're not going to answer you know what I'm saying? Like if you say, why do bunnies hop? Like, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? This is how God made them. And, uh, and, but you could text in your questions and these are questions about God. These are questions about different things. Now, let me, let me just say this. If you were not here last week, Last week, we talked about the reliability of the Bible. We talked about the truth behind the Bible. We talked about the historical evidence, the archaeology evidence. We talked about all kinds of things that point to the truth and the accuracy of the Bible. We talked about how it was handed down and all of that stuff to show that the Bible is truth. The Bible is, in fact, uh, what it says it is. It is a historical document. And so if you want to pick up that teaching, you can go back and listen to our podcast from last week and check that out and get that information. So this week, I'm going to talk to you about one of the most divisive truths about Christianity. I'm going to hit these in succession, and I'll tell you just a few of them right off the bat. The first one I'm going to talk about is this. Is it arrogant for Christians to say that Jesus is the only way to God? The second thing we're going to talk about is we're going to talk about do all religions worship the same God, just worshiping him in different ways, calling him different things? We're going to talk about, well, what about someone who's sincere in what they believe? We're going to talk about, what about that guy who lives in Africa who has never heard about Jesus? We're going to talk about all of those type of things in this conversation that we're about to have for the next 15 minutes or so, and then we're going to answer the questions that you're texting in. This is one of the key questions that I get all the time, and I think that the first thing we need to do before we do that is we need to establish some things, so I'm going to do it this way. How many of you guys like cheeseburgers? Yes. I am a cheeseburger fanatic. Now, here's the deal. That's what I want you to do. I want you to think about the place that you think makes the best cheeseburgers. Who makes it? Who makes the best cheeseburgers? All right. Hey, I said just think about it. I didn't say yell it out. All right. Let me get some hands raised. Where's your cheeseburger place? Where's your cheeseburger place? Five guys, five guys, I was about to say pizza. Five guys, who likes five guys? What you got? Burger 21, any Burger 21 fans? What we got right back here? McDonald's, yeah. What we got over here? Yeah, yeah. What? Bud Ruckers, Bud Ruckers in the house. All right, what we got over here? Yeah, you, Martiz. What? Hardee's? Hardee's. Got the other stay around. Right, that's enough. That's enough. That's enough. That's enough. Listen. My favorite, my favorite cheeseburger place, my favorite cheeseburger place, which has already been mentioned, McDonald's. Come on. Come on. Come on, man. Boo. 
Now, now listen, listen, pay attention. Here's the question I have for you. Am I wrong for thinking that McDonald's has the best cheeseburgers? There's going to be a riot in here. Now, here's the truth. Here's the truth. McDonald's, McDonald's is not my favorite cheeseburger place. But, thank you. But listen, listen. I wanted, I wanted to create a little struggle in the room because here's the truth. The truth is it doesn't matter what my favorite cheeseburger place is. It doesn't matter what your favorite cheeseburger place is. That's your opinion. Everybody has their opinions on what they like. They like, some people have opinions on what kind of pizza restaurants they like. They like opinions on what kind of burgers they like. Everybody likes their own things. Everybody likes their own, they have their own opinions about things. Guys, listen. Man, y'all are wound up tonight. Everybody has their opinions on different things. But just because your opinion is something doesn't mean that you're wrong. Because it's an opinion. It's a preference. Now, one of my favorite basketball players is LeBron James. Any LeBron James fans? Anybody follow sports? And let me tell you, I was, I, I was so excited for the Miami Heat this year for winning their third NBA title in a row. I was so excited. And... And, and, dude, I think that LeBron's going to, like, four-peat, five-peat, like, six-peat down in Miami, man. It's going to be, like, it's going to be, what? He's at Cleveland. Some of you are like, what the heck is he talking about? Who's LeBron James? LeBron James is a basketball player. Now, when I start saying things like that, you start going, hold on a second, bro. <laughs> LeBron James did not win this year. The Spurs won this year, right? LeBron James is not going to win a fourth and fifth championship with the Heat because LeBron James doesn't play for the Heat. He plays for the Cavs. Now, what would you say if my response to that was, dude, that's just your opinion? It's just your opinion that LeBron James is playing for the Cavs. It's just your opinion that LeBron James did not win this year. You would be like, bro, you are crazy, you know what I'm saying? You would be like, you're crazy because here's the deal. There's a difference in opinion and there's a difference in truth. Opinion and truth are two totally separate, totally different things. And this is what happens when we enter into this conversation we're going to enter into tonight. We start saying, well, you know what? That's just what you believe. And you know what? You believe that. That's cool. That's your opinion and your preference. And what you believe about God, you know, that's kind of your thing. But the truth is, is that when we make these statements about Jesus, we are making truth claims, not opinion claims about him. And Jesus made truth claims about himself. Very divisive, in fact. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, in the life, no man comes to the Father except through me. That's, that's not an opinion statement. That is a truth claim that Jesus makes. And Jesus is either right in his statement or he is wrong in his statement, but he cannot be both. There's a difference in opinion and a difference in truth. We see this all over the place, and what happens is we start to make this conversation about opinion and preference, but the truths about Jesus are truth claims. Jesus died on a cross, truth claim. Jesus was buried and rose again on the third day, truth claim. Jesus is offered salvation to all who would believe, 
truth claim. Those statements are either true or they're false. They cannot be both. Those are not opinion statements. And it's important for you to settle that, to think through that as we continue into this conversation. Because this whole conversation about religions and all this kind of stuff, these are not opinion claims that people are making. These are truth claims, and people are very aggressive about these truth claims. And so here's the question. Is Christianity arrogant for making that claim? Well, it's only arrogant if it's not true. It's only arrogant if it's not true because if Jesus is in fact the only way to God, then it is in all of us, that is something that should implore us to tell other people about Jesus so that they can know how to be saved, so that they can know how to be restored to God. Because that means that many other people are deceived. And here's the truth. Every religion and every belief system claims exclusivity, claims that they are exclusively the only way. In fact, if you were to ask a Muslim, do you believe that someone who is not a Muslim is going to go to heaven? They would say no. In fact, the Quran tells us that there is a special place in hell for Christians and Jews. They are emphatic. In fact, they're so emphatic, you can turn on the news right now, and we see hundreds of people, thousands of people being massacred around the world in the name of Islam, convert or die. It's a hot topic right now. What about Buddhism? Buddhism is the rejection of Hinduism and the scriptures of the Hinduism. What about Hinduism? Hinduism is supposed to be an inclusive religion that includes everybody and says, hey, you know what? You can, you can worship whatever you want to worship and be a Hindu. Yeah, you can as long as what you worship doesn't contradict the Veda scriptures of the Hindus. Christians would be out. It would be like me saying, yeah, you know what? You can worship whatever religion you want to worship as long as it doesn't contradict the Bible. Therefore, you couldn't worship any other religion. What about atheism? Atheism is the rejection of those people who believe in God. In fact, atheism is a religion. Make no mistake about it. Atheism is on a big push right now. People like Richard Dawkins and others who are pushing to convert other people to atheism. They want to convert people to atheism. It is a religion, atheism is. What about the people who are the universalists who say, we include everybody. We let everybody in. They exclude the exclusivist. Everybody excludes. And the reason they exclude is because there's a fundamental understanding in logic, logic that two truth claims cannot both be true and claim separate things. For example, Islam says that Jesus was just a prophet. Judaism says Jesus was a good teacher. Mormons say that Jesus was a man who became a God. He got his planet, and one day you can become a God as well and get your own planet. And Christians say Jesus was God. These are truth claims that all of these make, and they contradict each other. Therefore, they all cannot be true. It's called the law of non-contradiction. It's a law of logic. So they have to exclude as a result of that. Therefore, all religions cannot be true. 
Yet studies show that two-thirds of Christians, evangelical Christians, which our church would fall under that category, two-thirds, and a study by George Barna believed that all religions worship the same God. They just worship him in different ways and call him different names. How is that possible if they make complete contradictory statements about one another? Man, this is a hot topic issue. I get this conversation all the time. It's not about, it's, it's about truth. Jesus says you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It's about knowing truth. See, it was a big deal, so much a big deal in the Old Testament, so much a big deal to God that when he passed down the Ten Commandments to Moses, the very first one was to have no other gods before me. Because he knew that in the culture and in the world of that day that everyone would be attracted to so many other things around him. And he established himself. That's the reason the Bible tells us over and over again, there's no one higher. We just sang in the song, there's no one greater. There's no one like our God. He is on the top. He is on the pinnacle. He is the big G God. All the other gods are little G gods. They are imitators. They do not even exist. They are false gods, the Bible tells us. One true God. So, that means, if that is true, that we have an unbelievable responsibility to tell other people about the truth. To tell other people about how they can have a relationship with God through Jesus. Now, this brings up other questions. What if someone's sincere in what they believe? You can be sincere and be wrong. You can be sincere and get yourself in trouble. There was a TV show that was out a couple years ago. It was called Snake Salvation. Any of you guys see that show? That show was crazy. It was about this church uh, out in kind of the, the podunk sticks that, uh, that, that like handles snakes as a part of their worship. And, and they believe that if the snake bites you, they would not die and all this kind of stuff. And I mean, they were sincere about this. I mean, they're going out catching rattlesnakes and playing with them and all this kind of stuff. And you're like, dude, what the heck is going on right now? You know what I'm saying? I mean, the preacher's sitting there talking. He's got like four nubs, you know what I mean? Where he's already been bit and lost finger. Yeah, hey man, I'm making it. I'm doing good. You know what I mean? And, 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 so, and so this, they, I mean, they were so sincere in believing this that it was okay to do this. Earlier this year, he got bit by a rattlesnake pastor of this church. It's all over the news. And he died. So sincere. If, if I had a beaker of cyanide sitting right here, just a cup of cyanide, which is extremely deadly. And I said, man, I got, I got a cup of cyanide up here. And one of you from one of the students from the back says, I don't believe it. I said, well, dude, I don't really care, bro. I I, I poured it in there. I know it's not. I don't believe it. And they run down here to the front, jump up on the stage, grab the sign, I drink it down, smack it down on the table. It doesn't matter how sincere they are. If they don't get to a hospital quick, they're going to be dead very soon. Sincerity can get you in trouble. You can sincerely believe the wrong thing. And that is why this conversation gets so heavy. 
Because anytime you start talking about what other people believe, it automatically starts making you feel uncomfortable. And it automatically starts making you feel like, uh, man, I don't really know how to handle this situation. Because we live in a culture that is, that is so, um, you know, so inclusive that we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings or say anything. And what I would say is this, is I would say, listen, we have to share the love of Christ. We have to share the gospel. We have to share the message if we truly believe that this is true. Because the only hope for humanity, the only hope for man to be restored to God is through Jesus. This is the plan that God designed, the plan that God made for us to be restored to God. And we have so many people in our lives that don't know Christ, that are not living for him, that have never believed and repented of their sins, put their trust in Jesus. You got to feel the weight of that. And so that leads into another big question that I get all the time. What about that guy in Africa who's never heard? Man, that's a great question. What about the guy who is in some tribe in Africa? No one has ever went into that village and told that man about Jesus. I mean, what about him? How could God be loving and just and not save that person? He never had a chance. Well, there's a couple things I would say. The first thing I would say is, I'm not going to play God. And I'm not going to pretend like I know what the eternal destination for that person is. Because I don't. For all I know, God revealed himself to him. Jesus revealed himself to him just like he did to Paul in the, in the New Testament right before the guy died and, and showed himself to him. And that guy gave his life to him. I, I don't know. I will never tell you what I think about someone's eternal destination because I'm not the one who decides that. That's God's deal. I know that the Bible says that Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life, and no man comes to the Father but by me. And Ezekiel tells us that God does not desire punishment. God does not enjoy it. That is not who God is. God is a loving God who pursues us, chases us, goes after us with, with everything that he is. He's patient with us. He allows us to make the decisions that we make sometimes that go against him because he cannot force us and doesn't want to force us into a relationship with him. He allows us to run our own way. He allows us to, to make the bed that we're going to sleep. He allows us to do that. He's not going to force us. And so what about that guy? I don't know about that guy. But I think... When I get in those conversations, I like to ask students other questions. When I get that question, I like to ask this question, does that burden you? It seems like this guy in Africa burdens you. Because if he burdens you, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? If this guy in Africa who doesn't know Jesus is such a burden to you, then go tell him. See, here's the truth. If us going and telling this village about Jesus then makes them responsible for their sin, then the most unloving thing we could do would be to go and tell them about Jesus because then now we're making them responsible. But that guy in Africa, just like you, just like everybody else, is responsible for their own sin. We're all responsible. And the Bible tells us in Romans 3, there is no one righteous, not even one. The Bible tells us all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Every person. This guy comes to Jesus. He says, good teacher. And Jesus looks at him and says, who is good but God alone? Who is good but God alone? There's no one righteous, not even one. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the condition of every man. 
So no one is good. No one deserves heaven. The fact that God would even save one person is God pouring out love and grace upon grace because none of us deserve it. I don't deserve it, and you don't deserve it. None of us deserve it. That is grace. Grace is receiving something you do not deserve. When we sing songs, which I thought was cool, I was watching a little bit of TV today, uh, just kind of catching up a little bit on some of the stuff going around the world, and they were talking about uh, Joan Rivers' funeral. And it was apparently this big spectacle as, you know, kind of her life was. And Juliana Rancic, who was really close with her, she said this in the interview. She, they asked her, what was the most moving point of the ceremony? She says, at the very end, they ended it with amazing grace on bagpipes. And she's like, and the whole room was weeping. The one moment that God was entered into the equation, the whole room was broken. That song, Amazing Grace, we don't deserve salvation, but God offers it to us as a free gift. Man, that's That's beautiful. The fact that God allows anybody to be in his presence as a holy God is, is God just being so loving and so gracious to us. So when we talk about that person, that random guy in Africa, I think those are some things we have to consider. Those are some things we have to think through. Because at the end of the day, these are opinion things or these are truth things. And these aren't opinion things. These are truth things. So, We're going to stop with that. We're going to have Coy come on over and uh, throw, out, throw out some questions. We'll kind of do some rapid-fire questions, maybe some that yeah. aren't so heavy since you guys are like, holy cow, man, I was like drinking through a fire hose. Well, first of all, the very first text on here, Garrett Smiles wants all of you to know that he misses you, and he's sad that he's moved, but he'll come back and visit. Oh, I know, isn't that awesome? Oh, we miss Garrett. Now, um, okay, does the Bible address smoking weed, and is it okay if it doesn't really hurt you? Cool. That's a great question. That's a great question. Let me start out by saying this. When it comes to smoking weed, um, I smoked marijuana for four years. Eighth grade until I was a junior in high school. And uh, before I gave my life to Christ, I sold it for about a year and a half. And so I'm, I'm, I'm well acquainted with, uh, with the old Mary Jane. And uh, <laughs> uh, we had a few, uh, few dates together. And, um, and, and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and to answer that question, I would start with this. Uh, first off, um, because I was a pot smoker, I know all of the things that people throw out when it comes to that. Like, well, God created everything and he said it was good, so God obviously created marijuana, so it's good, right? <laughs> You're an idiot. And so it's, it's all good. You can be an idiot. God created poison ivy. Go smoke that and see what happens to you. If you use your brain a little bit, but pot smokers don't do that very much, uh, that's kind of what happens, right? Now, with that being said, um, uh, first off, what I would say is, is that I would say that, 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 um, that everything that God created wasn't meant to be smoked. I do think that, I do think that, uh, I do think that mar uh, uh, marijuana, uh, you know, uh, was used 
marijuana was used in many cases, is, was used in many cases, and still is used in many cases, medically speaking, and things like that for people who need it for certain different certain, certain things that they deal with, and uh, and so in those cases. But recreational use marijuana, well, here would be the question: Why are you smoking marijuana? So you can get high. What good stuff happens when you're high? Not very much. And, uh, and the truth is, is that you say that marijuana doesn't hurt you, but we know that, ma- that smoking one joint of marijuana is like smoking several hundred cigarettes. And so when you look on TV and you see all the commercials about cigarettes, I think it's pretty clear that it harms you. And I have a list of research. If you're interested, email me. I will send it to you on the fact that people who smoke marijuana are 65% more likely to have a heart attack than people that do not smoke marijuana. And I can go down the list, down the list, and down the list. So anybody who says that marijuana is harmful and doesn't hurt you and all this kind of stuff is just an idiot and doesn't know the research. Sorry. Just is what it is. I would also scoop that in. I would also scoop that marijuana conversation in, you know, with the alcohol conversation from the standpoint of, you know, uh, drunkenness that the Bible talks a, a lot about junk, drunkenness. Jesus even talks about it, that drunkenness is, is a sin that is talked about in that way. And, um, and, and there's, you know, some pretty negative stuff. In fact, because that was a big struggle of mine, the first Bible verse I ever memorized when I was a brand new Christian was a, was a scripture on drinking. And it was wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler. He who is led astray by them is not wise. It's the first verse I ever, I ever memorized. And because drunkenness obviously causes you to do stupid things and, and all that kind of stuff. And I would say that when you're high, you're in a state of drunkenness in that sort of a way, you know. And uh, plus it gives you the munchies and you get fat. Yeah. Yeah. How do two people... Just kidding. I just made that up. How do two no, people do. with different religions have a successful relationship? Yeah, that's a great question. How do two people with different religions have a, have a successful relationship? Well, the first thing I would say is this, is that to call yourself a follower of Jesus, to call yourself a child of God, is to say that God is the most important thing in your life. That everything in your life is secondary to your relationship with Jesus. Therefore, if everything in your life is secondary to your relationship with Jesus, you are dating someone who not only doesn't even care about the most important thing in your life, but they do not even share the thoughts about the God that you believe is the most important thing in your life. That's the first thing I would say. The second thing I would say is the Bible's clear. Corinthians tells us to not be yoked together with unbelievers. What does an unbeliever have in common with a believer? And what does you know, Belial have in common with, with Christ? What, what do you have in common there when the most important thing in your life is something that's completely different? And so the Bible addresses that. And so then what happens is you get married one day and then you want to take your son, to, your little baby boy to church and daddy wants to take his little baby boy to the Buddhist temple And all of a sudden, now you guys are in conflict on where you're going to go and all this kind of stuff because of it. And going back to the conversation we just had, if Jesus is the truth, then why would you want that person leading your children away? That's one of the reasons why that scripture is even mentioned to begin with. So that would be the short answer. These are all just short answers. And I apologize for calling anybody an idiot that smokes marijuana. I really apologize for that. I said, I feel bad. You're not, yeah, you're, you're, you're not an idiot. You're just misguided. Why? No, that's nicer, people. Yes. Why does, why does God kill people in the Bible if he is good? 
Why does God kill people in the Bible if he is good? Well, I think that there is, uh, there, there's a, I mean, that, that's, kind of a, that's kind of such a broad question. Like literally, I mean, that is a, I could take that question for like, I could talk about that for like an hour. I don't know, really know how to put that in a Cliff Notes version without just, um, but this is what I would say. I would say it this way. God can do whatever the heck he wants to do. If, if I plant a tree in my front yard and I decide one day I want to go up and dig it up and throw it in the woods, I can. If I want to go over to my neighbor's yard and dig up his bushes, now we got a problem. God can do whatever he wants to do. He's God. So the first thing I would say is God can do whatever he wants to. Second thing I would say is this, is that every time God punishes something, you know, someone in the Bible, and these are not like, like tons of like illustrations of this. Most every time that these, these times are talked about is when people were oppressing the people of God, people were enslaving the people of God, people were attacking the people of God, and the people of God were defending themselves or taking land that was theirs to begin with. And so usually when these times are mentioned, those are the situations around those particular scriptures. And so when you begin to look at those scriptures, you begin to see that, that God's protecting his people and all this kind of stuff. You realize that every single time that happens, God was just in doing so. And I would take maybe probably the most blatant example, Sodom and Gomorrah. You're talking about one of the most wicked, evil places on the planet. I mean, this place was disgusting. You take places like Nineveh that God sent Jonah to, and they actually repented. I mean, these places were crazy. This is like, this is like saying, like, this is how it is. I watch TV, and I watch these ISIS people over in Iraq and, and Syria. I get an email today that... Uh, from, uh, from a lady who is doing some missions work over there, and she sent it to a guy who I have a prayer partner with. He sends me this, this, uh, this email, and he says, please pray for this people group. ISIS just came in, took over this area, and they are beheading children right now in the streets. People, this is going on in the world right now. You know what I want to do? I want to grab my gat and say, let's go. You know what I'm saying? These are the type of people that we're talking about when we talk about like God came and he did that. Same with Noah's Ark and things like that. So these were a wicked, wicked, wicked people. These people were so deserving of, of, of that, that to leave them on the earth was to bring more turmoil to what God had created. So there's all, I mean, and, and I think the best thing to do in those type of situations is to go case by case. If you got a thing that's kind of case by case, an example, um, but we don't have time for that, so. Last question. This is a good one. Can you have a godly relationship with someone you've had sex with? Can you have a godly relationship with someone you've had sex with? Um, well, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, this is what I think. I think that when you cross boundaries, it's so much easier to cross boundaries again. And we all know that. Everybody, you have common sense. I think that it's hard to. But do I think you can? Yeah. I think that if the guy gets his heart right with God, I think that if you get your heart right with God, you set the right boundaries, and you say, we're going to honor God in this relationship, then yeah. But I think you need to set some boundaries too. And you need to say this. You need to say, if we cross any lines again, this relationship's over because our relationship with God is more important than our relationship with each other. 
And so I think that you can do that if you get your heart right with God, that you honor him in the relationship. But I think that's the only way that that works. Cool, let me pray for you. He's gonna come up and close us out. And then next week, we're gonna hit a bunch more questions. And one of the questions we're gonna hit next week, uh, we're gonna be talking about homosexuality, bisexuality, all that kind of stuff. What does the Bible say? What is all that kind of stuff? Yeah, it's gonna be awesome. So bring you people next week, invite people. Here we go. And we're gonna talk about other things that you guys text in. Father, I wanna pray over these students. I thank you for them being here tonight. I pray that you'll be with connection groups after this tonight, that they will be fruitful and awesome. And God, I just thank you, Lord, for the truth that we have in your word, the truth that we have that points us to Jesus, the truth that we, that we have that you did die on the cross, that you were buried, that you rose again on the third day, that we can experience eternal life through Jesus. Jesus, God, that we do not have to flounder in our sin, that we do not have to live separated from you forever, but God, we can be restored to you through Jesus. We thank you for that truth. And God, I pray that if there's any students in here that do not know you or if they're searching and seeking and trying to figure out answers to questions, Lord, I know you are not intimidated by their questions, and I pray that they would continue to ask. I pray that they would continue to seek, and God, I pray that they would find you. And Lord, not only would they find you, but that you would change their life, that they would be transformed, that we would be reading their story as they're in the baptismal pool a month from now. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.